Um, we are finishing our series called The Divergent Life, and I feel every time um, we talk about things that have our, our first name in it, uh, our church name in it, we need to stipulate that, that why we call ourselves Divergent Church is not because we're different from other churches, that we try to and strive to be different from other churches. Um, we do strive to be different from the world in that we follow Jesus and his rule and his kingdom. And so that means our life will look differently from friends who don't know Jesus from time to time. But it also means that we're not separate from the world. Um, you know, the church sometimes, the church as extension, can, can be very good at separating themselves from the world. But, but when I think about Jesus and, and, and his ministry and the way that he um, went about his ministry, he was so in the world. He was, he was rubbing shoulders with, with those who people did not want to rub shoulders with. He was... He was uh, loving them and ministering to them and he was calling them into a different life. And so the Divergent Life, this series that we're talking about, it's, it's these four passages that, that, you know, um, that we think of as kind of core values of church and, and we need to stipulate these are not just divergent church things. These are deeply Christian things. And we're in our final week and it's called uh, The Great Vision. And we are talking about a passage in Revelations which um, sees this image of, of every tribe and tongue in heaven uh, worshipping the Lamb, which is Jesus, the Lamb that was slain, who conquered the world through his love. And it's, it's this image of this church, of this great multitude. You know, you can't count how many people are there all worshipping Jesus and they're from all nations and they're from all different language groups and they're from all different tongues and it's an amazing image and we do see I guess glimpses of that but we need to remember that that's a future tense when all life is restored back to its natural order but what I want to do um, because sometimes when I when I look at when I come up to the final week it's really hard to add any more to what's already been said and and so maybe what we need to do is just um, just go through week one, two, and three, which will give us a fresh mindset into to looking at, at week four, uh, which is this week. So just to refresh in our, our minds. And, and what I want to try and help us realize is that, that these, these things, that, that Divergent Church um, uh, keeps as our, our core values, um, that they are deeply Christian and they are um, for all Christians and they're deeply biblical and... And that they are so intertwined that it's such a, a, an overflow and an, and an inflow and they're all intertwined and they all, you know, go round and round in circles because when you look at these passages, you get an idea of what it means and, and what, what the mission is for all Christians. It's to, to make disciples, to see that, that final vision of, of all people, all tribes and tongues coming and worshipping. And that's what, what God wants. He wants everyone to be a part of his family and, and we... Um, as followers of Jesus, have a part to play. So how about we pray first? Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, um, that you came and, and you died and you resurrected and uh, you offered us eternity. And Lord, all like we didn't need to do anything about it. We, we were so undeserving of your love and, and yet you came down and you, and you loved us and you died for us uh, and you gave us life. And Lord, we, when we put our trust in you, we... In the sense of the word, where we give up um, our ability to run our own life, because Lord, we are in complete service of you. So, Lord, tonight, as we as we open your word, 
as we um, listen to it, as we take it to heart, as we apply it to our lives. I pray, Lord, that you just change our hearts to, to ever more be more reflective of, of who you are. Amen. Amen. So, week one. Um, and so, I guess the, the, uh, the sentence um, that kind of encapsulates all these, which, um, you know, Divergent Church came out with, which is not from the Bible. I think a lot of people will, will try and find this in the Bible and be like, oh, that's not there. But it's, it's this thing, all in disciples devoted to his kingdom come. And so, week one, the all in bit, it, we focus on the passage um, in Matthew where it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like that. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so why should we follow this? Well, for one, Jesus said to. So you should follow it because Jesus is awesome. But, and, and for some people, that's enough. Like I grew up in church going, yeah, Jesus said this, so I do this. Um, but it's deeper than that. Let's, let, let's remind ourselves that love is our, our key motivating factor in life when we come and follow Jesus because Jesus dying on the cross and resurrecting and, and giving up his life for our benefit so that we can live in eternity with him is the greatest, craziest expression of love you'll ever see, hear, experience in your life. The, the fact that 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus from Nazareth in, in Israel um, died for all of humanity and that this man came from, from heaven, he was God, he is God, and that he died for everyone there, he died for everyone in the future, and that all we need to do is believe that he did that and put our trust in him. That is the craziest expression of love that you'll ever experience. And so when we love God with all our heart, we, we acknowledge that, that we put our trust in him. We, we acknowledge that we, we love and trust in him because he loved us first. And I think sometimes it's a much easier position to be in, to, to just acknowledge that his way is better and, and our way isn't, and just trust in that. And sometimes it's hard, but I've found it's a lot easier to just trust in him fully. And so loving others, therefore, comes out of loving God fully. You know, knowing how much God loves us compels us to love in the same way. And, and what's great is that Jesus not only demonstrated this ultimate love by dying on the cross, but he demonstrates the way he loved and who he loved and how he loved. And so we look in, in, in the Gospels and, and we see that he, that he, um, he, uh, he makes friends with, with tax collectors, people that were not um, deemed you know, fit for society because they were, you know, betrayed the Jewish um, people. Um, prostitutes, um, people that were... Um, were, were lame or, or had sickness. He loved them and he called them into a different life and he healed them. And I don't think we're very good at that sometimes. Um, but one person who is good at that, and that's not, it's not to give um, credit to my wife in any regard to build her up, but, but the reason why she does it um, is because she understands this is what Jesus would do. And this is what she does, and, and I'm not very good at that, at this, but whenever she sees a homeless person um, begging for money, she offers to buy them food. And that takes a, a toll on our bank account. But 
I can't argue with it because that's what Jesus would do. He would see the poor, he would, he would see those who are in a different situation and he would love them and he would give them food and he would call them into a different life. And, and that's what we as Christians, out of the overflowing of the love that we received when Jesus died on the cross, it enables us to love in a in this similar supernatural way. We, we live to be a reflection and to help others see Jesus. And so that's number one that we are all in, that we love God with all our heart and we love others. Number two is we're all in disciples, so we're disciples. So to be a disciple of, of, of Jesus is to simply be a follower of Jesus. And the Great Commission says this, then Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Now we think about these disciples that were hanging around with Jesus, they saw him for three years, he did some pretty crazy stuff, he died, then he came back, and on this mountain, I'm still not sure they knew, because it says some doubted, still not sure what they had in store, what was in store for them, but, but Jesus said, go out and make disciples. You are a follower of me, and therefore it's your mission to go out and make more followers because my, my kingdom, my rule, my love is for all. And so it's this fulfillment that God loves all and seeks a relationship with all, that Jesus paid the price for all and is committed to having all nations be a part of his kingdom. And so he commissions the disciples to go into the world. And when you think about it, where it started to where it is now, it's, it's absolutely mind-boggling what has happened. Um, I've read some statistics, they're not very specific statistics, but you'll get the picture. You know, in 2060, um, they reckon six out of ten largest Christian populations will be in Africa. At the moment, it's like one or two. Um, But it shows this rapid increase and this rapid expansion. And I believe this making disciples thing, this thing that that the, the, the disciples of Jesus were called to do and then by extension what we are called to do as we are followers of Jesus is that it comes out of the first point that we love the Lord our God with all our heart and we love others. Experiencing that love that, that, that we were not deserving of, it's just natural that the most loving thing that we can do for another person is to share Jesus with them. And so when we go out into the world, when we're thinking about the people that are close to us, we're thinking about our friends, our family that don't know Jesus, thinking about the people on the, on the, on the street who are, who are homeless. It's great to, to give them food, but the, surely the most loving thing for them to do is to, is to share Jesus with them. And so, as I said, love goes beyond being nice to people on the street. Now or in our workplace, love looks like telling them about Jesus. And yeah, there is no greater way to love people than to tell them about the Saviour of the world. And that's why we are called to make disciples. It's very interwoven between this idea of loving God and loving others. So we get to the third week, which was last week, um, all in disciples, devoted. What does it look like to be devoted so in the, in the early church in Acts 2.42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. 
and everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is an amazing image of the early church committing to the apostles' teachings, which was Christ's teachings. Where did they get their teachings from? They got them from Jesus. What was one of their teachings to make disciples? So that's very naturally and and implicit. What was the other teaching? That he loves, that you've got to love God with all your heart. So these things are so interwoven and and, and just implicit. Um, And what I see when we get these first two things right, um, or when the early church um, got loving God with all your heart right, it's, it's, it's quite natural that they devote themselves to teachings, to the apostles' teachings, because they want to continue to know what it means to live for Jesus. What, what did Jesus do in this situation? How can I share Jesus through my actions, through, through the things that I say? They devoted to each other. I mean, that's, that's, that's that second half of that first point, that they're loving each other. And the reason why we do that is because actually this, this call in life to make disciples when we do it alone is really hard. And if you don't have a home base to come home and say, hey, yeah, I tried to share the gospel and, and, and it sucked and someone laughed at me, you know, this can dishearten your faith and this can dishearten um, you wanting to go out again. And so, so this is a picture of a, of, a, of a community and this is something that we really, you know, want to see in Divergent Church, we want to see in all churches that, that we continue to devote ourselves to the Apostles' teaching so, or, the, or Jesus' teaching so that it continues to... to you know, convict us and, and help us in our way, um, that we, we never forget what Jesus did for us. That's what it talks about, to break bread, to, to be in community and, to, and to, to break bread and have communion together, that we, we never want to forget what Jesus did for us. And prayer, because we need God with us. We need God's power with us. And when we engage with God in prayer, and, 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 and talk to him and spend time with him and love him. We know that in the early church that they had the power of God with them, they had the Holy Spirit with them, and, 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 and the same power and the same, same gift is there for us. And so, so it, it, when, it, when we look at this, it looks like a checklist of things to do, that, and, and once we do that... Um, people will start flooding into our church. That's, that's not what um, church is about. That's not what Divergent Church is about. It's about knowing that we have the power of God with us, knowing that when we love Jesus, we are devoted to him and his teachings and everything, and that this puts us in a position when we are together, a position of, of strength. And with the Holy Spirit with us, all we need to do is be open to the fact that Jesus wants to, to use us to make disciples, to use us to, to make followers of Jesus with, with, with all the friends and, and family that don't know Jesus yet. And so this is something that at Divergent Church we continually look towards, a place to call home, a family, but a family that works together to achieve his purposes on earth and to make disciples wherever we go. And so when we get to this final uh, week 
all in disciples devoted to his kingdom come. Revelation 7 verse 9 to 10 says this, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their face before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Now that is an awesome image. And that's what we as Christians are committed to doing, that, that we, we want more people, increasingly more people, to, to come to know Jesus. And this is an ultimate fulfilment of God's plan that, that when Jesus said to go into the world to make disciples of nations, he meant that in an expectation that one day he would see all nations because his sacrifice was for all nations. And it's easy to see a glimpse, even in this room, of this image. We have people from many different nations. Um, and, you know, one way or another in your life, someone shared the gospel with you. And that might be why you're here. Someone shared the gospel with you. You understood what Jesus did for you on the cross. And so it's almost like we need to pay it forward. It's like knowing what someone did, to, did for me and knowing what Jesus did for me. As I said before, the most loving thing is to share that again. But here's the thing. When I, this, uh, whenever we, we read from Revelation, um, it can be scary sometimes. And this doesn't look like a scary image. This looks like a lovely image. Um, but um, what happens when you read outside uh, two verses? <laughs> what happens when you read chapter 6? What happens when you read all, everything leading up to chapter 7? You get a very different image, same emphasis, but, but, well, same image, but with a very different emphasis. And so I want to explore that, and, and this is a big chunk of, of, of Scripture, and I just want you guys to, uh, to listen to it. Um, if, you, if you have your Bibles with you, maybe you can, you can read it along with me. Revelation chapter 6, from verse 1. Um, this could take some time, but I want you guys just to imagine what's going on here, and what could this possibly mean. And you might arrive at it and go, I have no idea what this means. And, and that's the true revelation we know. That sometimes we have no idea what he means. <laughs> but let us try. Chapter 6, verse 1. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come. That didn't sound like thunder. I'm sorry. I'm not very vocal. Um, look. And there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow. And it was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on the conquest. When the lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. And then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large sword. When the lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse, and it was a rider who was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the living creatures saying, Two pounds of wheat 
for a day's wage and six pounds of barley for a day's wage. And do not damage the oil and the wine. And then the lamb opened the fourth seal. And I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. I looked and before me was a pale horse. It was a rider named Death. And Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine and plague and by wild beasts of the earth. And then I saw, and then he opened the fifth seal. I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because the word of the God, word of God and testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. So how does this relate to chapter 7? It sounds like a very bleak image. It sounds like an image of, of death and destruction. And I won't go into every little ver- verse, what does the black horse represent, what does the red horse represent. Come talk to me after if we want to talk more specifically, I'm happy to. Um, but suffice to say, this is an image of death and destruction in the form of the four, four horsemen. These horsemen represent evil empires, Violence, killing each other, famine, sickness, injustice, countless death. And then in the fifth seal we see martyrs calling out to God saying, how long until you come back and judge the earth? And I feel like we sometimes think about that as well. We would look at the earth and its brokenness and we're like, come on God, just come back. Just do what you did in the flood and, and, and wipe it clean. Um, but what if that's not a part of God's purpose? Maybe... God is allowing these things to happen, to give more time so that more people can be saved. As it says in the verse, just a little longer until the full amount of servants, fellow servants, further brothers and sisters have been killed. And they're talking about martyrdom. Persecution is what we see in this passage. That the Christian church of the day, the Christian church that, that John was, was talking to, was about to enter heavy persecution under Roman rule. And so this, this passage has a fulfillment that happened back in the first century, but it's also a fulfillment that we continue to see in generations to come over and over and over, that the world is in disrepair and that the world is turning away from Jesus. And increasingly, there are Christians that are getting persecuted for their faith. You know, I, I was, um, Nicole and I were looking at um, a couple of um, churches in, in, in China, the underground church. And you know what their conclusion was? That it's completely natural and completely normal that as Christians you get persecuted. And for Westerners, we go, what? Like, like, where's our persecution? Like, like, this is not a normal thing of the Christian faith. It's just so normal for them, to the point that they laugh when, when um, and this was an interview with um, Francis Chan, they laugh when they say, oh, yeah, we have, we have these buildings called churches, and, and um, you can choose to go to this church, and if you don't like their preaching or you don't like their singing, there's another church just down the road. And they're like, what? That is inconceivable, because we are in, in, in little houses meeting together, 
you know what the amazing thing is? It's at times of persecution when the gospel explodes. That's the really cool thing. It's, it's terrible what's happening, but it's, it's, the gospel explodes under persecution. And you know why? Because there's this urgency. Because they read passages like this and go, yeah, this is happening right now. Like, like time's up. Like, I'm going to meet Jesus soon. And so there's this urgency to share the gospel. And I have no idea how us as Westerners who don't, aren't facing persecution can get that urgency. But it, it comes with all the things that we've been talking about today, that, that, that we love the Lord our God with all our heart. Don't let circumstance allow you to then share the gospel. Allow the fact that Jesus died for you, that circumstance, to share the gospel. But, you know, it's not too far from the truth, even as we, as we are here in a very fortunate country, that, that there are things happening in, in, even in our town, in our city, where it looks like it, it'll threaten the way that church is going to look in, in the next 20, 30, 50 years. And we know that Jesus is coming back, and we know that Jesus is, is here to, to judge who um, gets the seal, who has the seal on their forehead. That's another image. You can look it up in Revelation and who does not. Who is going to be a part of his family and who's not going to be a part of his family because, they, because, because of uh, us proclaiming that Jesus is, is our Lord. And so with that image in mind, they're, they're, that's, that's the, the final thing that I want to talk about that I want us to leave, leave here tonight is that there is an urgency to share the gospel wherever we are. We have people in our lives who don't know Jesus. We have sisters, we have brothers, we have friends, we have family. We have sick aunts, we have grandparents that don't know Jesus yet. And so there is no better time than the present than to recognise loving God with all your heart means that you love others. Loving others with all your heart means that the most loving thing to do is to share Jesus with them. That loving Jesus means that as a church, as a community, you may look at us and we're a bunch of young Christians and uh, young people and, and there's nothing that, that young people can do. But we have the same gospel that, that, that you know, these, these big giants of the faith have. We, we have the same Jesus. We have the same power. So it's this willingness to go out and share. And, and we want to continue to explore what that looks like for CDPM, to, to love people outside this community, to love people at, at uni and share the gospel with them. We want to continue to think about what it looks like as a church community to be ever-increasingly thinking outside ourselves. Because we are devoted to his kingdom come. We are devoted to this, this image of all nations, of all nations coming to know Jesus. And it does start with us, and it starts with all Christians who take on that call and go, yeah, who's that person in my life that I haven't shared Jesus with yet? It may be uncomfortable at first. You just, all you have to do is open your mouth. All you have to do is, 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 is listen to that, that little voice in your head goes, yeah, Jesus changed my life and then maybe it'll change someone else's life too. So, so I need to open my mouth. And, and I love hearing testimonies of people that have been doing that. We, we were talking to people up in, in the north and, and there's this guy called John. Uh, he's like, yeah, I picked up a, a surfboard this week and I just felt like I really needed to share the gospel 
um, with this person from Marketplace up in Sydney that I was sharing the gospel with. So I just opened my mouth and it didn't go very well. But it doesn't matter because I tried and I'll continue to try because that's what God's calling us as Christians to do. And so as we go into the week this week, um, keep that one person in your mind who you haven't shared the gospel with yet. Keep praying for him. Keep realising that God is with us. Keep realising that he has the power to, to change people's hearts. And, and continue in this journey because it's going to be hard and that's what community is for, to come back and go, hey, this was really hard. And then we go out again and repeat and repeat and repeat. We stay faithful to who God is. We stay faithful to his, his mission. How about we pray? Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, um, that, that you loved us, uh, that you sent Jesus to die for us, that that power alone is enough to, to change our hearts, to, to fix our eyes onto to people outside of, of church community. That, Lord, we have people in our lives that don't know Jesus yet, and that should break our heart. And we look at this image in Revelation, and we recognise that, that we are living largely in a world that doesn't know you, that left up to their own devices. Lord, we as a community of believers that trust in you, we want to increasingly show your light in this world. And Lord, we don't want to wait. We don't, we, we don't want to wait for our circumstances to change because, Lord, that's not living, living the gospel. That's not living for Jesus to wait until persecution happens for us to finally start going, oh, actually, we do need to share the gospel. Lord, let it be now. Lord, help this community to yeah, just continue to, to, to understand um, who you are to them and, and how much that makes a difference in their lives. And Lord, um, yeah, be with us when we're going out and sharing the gospel. Be with us when we're, we're making disciples of all nations. Lord, it's only through your power that, Lord, you are building the church. You are softening the hearts of the people we talk to. And Lord... Our calling is just to be obedient to you with, with things that we read in Scripture and just being obedient to you. We love you, Lord, so much. In Jesus' name, amen.